Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the lombardi line with michael lombardi and patrick maher on vsin begin the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN presented by BetMGM. I am Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds for the next couple hours. We're here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. And Wes, we have another fine show on this Tuesday afternoon to get to today. Of course, our guy Will Hill is going to join us later on this hour. Harry Gagnon is going to join us in the second hour along with Mike North from Chicago. So we've got a lot to get to with Harry and Mike, of course, looking ahead to the final four. It's finally set, Wes. And I did want to get your reactions from what we've already seen leading up to uh, what we're going to see this weekend here. And obviously the Elite Eight, I think the more interesting day might have been day one of the Mm -hmm. Elite Eight, and then we get a couple blowouts uh, to round things out. Obviously we're going to have the Blue Bloods. That's what all the talk is all week long. But what is your reaction initially to seeing this Final Four? I don't think many people had UNC, but I'm sure others certainly had Kansas and Villanova and Duke. You know, amazingly enough, Dave, with everything that kind of happened in this NCAA tournament where it's like, okay, nobody knows anything. Nobody expected St. Peter's to be in the Elite Eight. You had multiple double-digit seeds. You always usually get one in the Sweet 16, but you got multiple this time around. And with all the chaos and all the madness that happened, you know, March kind of happens in the NCAA tournament. (laughs) We have three of the top five all-time great college basketball programs in Duke, North Carolina, and Kansas. Obviously, Kentucky and UCLA probably being the other to fill out that five. And then the other team, the fourth team, is arguably the best program in college basketball over the last 10 to 12 years in in Villanova. So, look, proven commodities here. And and sometimes, like, especially with the North Carolina, because you see a number eight seed by their name, sometimes a team does kind of come together late in the season. Sometimes teams peak early. Sometimes teams go late. Like, Purdue is the team that kind of peaked early. Right. And got knocked out by St. Peter's, a 15 seed, on Friday night. So, that's what you get here. I think Duke kind of finally turned it on there at the end uh, in terms of uh, getting, you know, beating Texas Tech. The Michigan State game, I think, was a real turning point. No question. Then on to Texas Tech, then on to Arkansas. Kansas pretty much been top five, pretty consistent really all year, even though if you really look at it in Chicago when they went for that regional semifinal and final, they really only played one good half of basketball out of four, but nevertheless, that was good enough. The draw opened up for them. 
And then, of course, Villanova has been the motto of consistency, best program culture in college basketball. Jay Wright, arguably the best head coach in all of college basketball. And uh, they're going to have to come in very shorthanded with the injury to Justin Moore. And that's a huge injury uh, going forward for Villanova. But as we get closer and closer, and certainly in the next two hours, we're going to really break down uh, those final four matchups uh, in perpetuity here. But I do want to get your initial thoughts, and it's it's an exercise that we do. And I was out with some friends last night, and I said, my co-host Wes Reynolds, I think, does a great job of this. When you really do try to figure out on a Tuesday – before those games are played on Saturday, where do you think the line moves are going to go? Because I think as a, as a better, that's an imp- a very important practice to do. And when you see the initial lines come out for this Final Four, I wonder where you think the money might come in, depending on which side you might like. So when you look at Duke and UNC, and I know a lot of people are going to go back and go, man, last time these two teams played, last game of the regular season, in Durham, I mean, UNC puts up over 90 and really never headed in that game. It was kind of UNC all one-way traffic. When you look at that ultimate blue blood matchup for the first time ever meeting in the NCAA tournament, let alone in the final four for Duke and UNC, is it going to be a case of, of uh, history repeating? Or as you look at Duke right now for with that total 151, do you think this is Duke's time to say, you know what, we've turned a corner since that day and we're going to show you? In terms of the number, I think it's probably going to honestly stay the same. You know, it's right. going to, you know, you're not going to see anyway down to the final four of only two games left, the national semifinals on Saturday. You're not going to see, I think, a ton of line movement in this game because there's going to be enough money in the market that I think it's going to keep these lines relatively at bay. But in terms of this one, I think it's going to be equal. Uh, you may see some late money to Duke. That would be my lean at this standpoint. Maybe do what I did on Saturday night and then lay the money line. I think it was like 175, right. and then there was 180, 190 out there, and that's what it is here against North Carolina. And, yeah, you look, uh, you know, Duke, uh, I think, got out to a little run early in that uh, season finale in, Chow- in uh, Durham, rather, and then North Carolina, you know, really took over. I, I, they were down nine, I think, at the under four-minute timeout North Carolina was in that game. And then you look, and they eventually pulled away by double digits. They were calm. They were good from the foul line. They got pretty much what they wanted at the rim. They out-rebounded Duke. They didn't turn the ball over. They only had five turnovers in the, in that regular season ACC finale. So, you know, North Carolina, I think, knows that they can beat these guys. You see, like, eight against two. Ordinarily, you would think, okay, the two is going to be like a six, six and a half, right. some point favorite, but they're not because of obviously the rivalry aspect and the fact that, look, North Carolina's playing pretty good ball down the stretch, uh, knocked out Baylor, albeit a shorthanded Baylor, and then beat UCLA, who was in, who Great was in the Final Four last year, and then, of course, gets uh, the fortune of having a 15 seed that I think just got overwhelmed. And that's the thing about the NCAA tournament, Dave. We all, not only as, as betters, but as fans, we all love the upsets, but when the upsets happen, you get some pretty bad matchups in the Elite A where St. Peter's got a great story and, you know, easy team to pull to pull for, but they just, you knew it, I think, five minutes in the game. Like, this is over. They, they, they cannot match up with these guys. These guys are not going to blow it when they've got an opportunity to go to the Final Four, and all they got to do is beat a 15 seed, and it played out like it would probably in November or December if those right. teams met. You know, it's interesting, too, when you look at the Final Four now, Wes, and you see that, obviously, Duke Carolina is the ultimate rivalry game. You look at Villanova, who I would have loved in this matchup against Kansas and now still getting about four and a half here, but you mentioned the injury to Moore and he's going to be out now. And I wonder when you lose a a performer like that on this stage, you normally say 
the first game is okay mm-hmm. sometimes with, with a big injury, but maybe not the second game if there is a second game for Villanova. How do you factor that into the handicap for Villanova, which really isn't that deep anyway, and they want to limit possessions? I'm assuming that's what Jay Wright's going to want to do even more in this contest. You see it now four and a half at 133 in the total. Does Jay Wright have to coach this game differently with that one of his key cogs? Well, probably at least a little bit from that standpoint. We talk about like the bet now, bet later exercise. I could see this line going up a little bit, even though I think the more injury, I will say this, it is already priced in the number. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that betters will not stop betting Kansas if they say, well, Moore's out. You know, they're, they're going to be screwed here. Look, what Villanova does, they run a lot of pick and roll, probably one of the best systems in the country, and that's what they do. Why they slow the tempo, it's not necessarily that they're a slow team. Right. It's just that they are trying to probe the defense and get the, and get the mismatch, you know, attacking or forcing help from the defenders and then reversing the ball to open shooters. That's what they do. Colin Gillespie really dictates that. But I think the loss of Justin Moore can be felt, you know, really here in this system because they do a lot of ball screen action with them. So, uh, you know, Gillespie's kind of the post-up guard when Villanova inverts the offense. So, you know, Jay Wright is going to have to find somebody. And that means, you know, Brian Antoine, who was once a five-star recruited in this Villanova program, and Chris Arcadiacono, they're going to have to play more minutes than they've been playing, you know. And it's easy to say, you know, next man up. It's hard to be next man up when you're only playing like six guys anyway, like Villanova is. This is not the NBA where that first game where it's like, okay, we can, uh, you know, replace this star in the first game. (laughs) You can't really do that in college basketball, and that's why I think you see that priced at four and a half. Uh, That being said, said same situation as last weekend do you really want to lay points to Jay Wright that's normally not a good thing to do certainly this time of year and again this is the best free throw shooting team we've seen in the history of the NCAA tournament they keep this pace going on here I do like Villanova I do wonder again to your point maybe if you want to wait on Villanova that's what I'm saying if you like that side I think you might be able to get I mean you're not going to get a lot more, but you, and every little half point counts sure. in these type of games. So you might get five. You might get five and a half here. So I think if you're wanting to bet Villanova, that would be a bet later scenario. You know, it's interesting because last week you look back against Kansas and Miami. Miami took the money, right? And, and for the mm-hmm. for the most part, it looked like, oh, they're up six at halftime. Yeah. The public's got this one figured out. Kansas got bet against both games, by the way, because Providence took the money right. uh, on Friday and uh, ended up covering the number, even though Kansas should have beaten them by a lot more. Like we said, Kansas played basically one good 20 minutes of basketball. They absolutely dominated Miami 47-15 in the second half. I'm sure Gonzaga and their faithful are sitting there going, how come we didn't get Kansas's draw? Like, how come those brackets weren't inverted, right? Why was why was Kansas looked at with the draw, almost like the overall number one seed, and Gonzaga was in the, the region of death, if you will, as Duke mm-hmm. is a two and Texas Tech is a three, Arkansas is a four. All those top four seeds uh, made it to the Sweet 16, and then we saw all the calamity ensue there. So I'm sure they're looking at that. But look at Kansas. Do you think right now as the last remaining number one, they should be the overall favorite? Or do you think it should be the Dukies? I think Kansas probably is a small favorite. Now, Duke was the team on Friday where it's like, okay, what future would you bet if you're not involved here? I said Duke 5-1. to one. Right. 
I think that they're going to go now because I think once they beat Texas Tech, oh, man. once they were able to score pretty much at will at the rim on the number one rim defense and the number one overall efficiency defense in the country in Texas Tech, it's like, okay, they can score on anybody. And then Arkansas presented a different challenge because Arkansas really long-arm guys. They get in passing lanes, get a lot of steals, force turnovers, get deflections and whatnot. And Duke took care of the basketball. And then when they were able to break them down in half court, they were able to do it. And plus Arkansas wasn't able to really stop them in transition. What you saw from Kansas in the second half against Miami is I think they realized, okay, we're not going to be so pick and roll heavy. We were going to go in the paint to David McCormick, and right. that was the big mismatch. And they were able to dominate at the paint. I think they were 1.22 points at the rim per uh, uh points per possession rather for shock quality. So that's what they did against Miami and Miami absolutely had no answer. Yeah, that was a as demoralizing as second half if you're a Jim Laranaga backer like I was on Sunday. But again for Kansas you gotta think, boy, if we play like that Put four halves together like we did against Miami. Maybe we're cutting down the nets come this time next week on a Monday night. All right, when we come back, Wes, yes, of course, when you get closer and closer to April, you think Augusta, Major League Baseball. Let's break down some MLB when you come back with us right here on the Lombardi Line on a Tuesday, right here on Easton, the Sports Betting Network. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please game responsibly if you have a problem. Call one 
4700. This is the Lombardi line right here on Visa. I'm Dave Ross. He is Wes Reynolds. And Wes, I am excited this year, obviously, as a Metropolitan fan. Because it could be heady days in New York. By the way, we're going to have Will Hill on later on this hour, too. The king of New York, as I like to call him. And we'll discuss a little bit of, uh, of this with Will. But I want to break down throughout this two-hour show here, uh, Major League Baseball. And we'll do it basically by division. Mm-hmm. And so let's start off with the opposing East. The AL East and the NL East. We'll get to my Metropolitans in a second. But let's start on, off in the AL East. This could arguably be the most interesting division in all of Major League Baseball. And the reason why we say that is, if you look at the projected win totals in this division, it's not the Yankees, it's not the Red Sox, it's not the Rays. It's the Blue Jays right now that have the shortest odds to win at plus eighty, and the win total at 92.5. Now, I look at that, West, and I go, okay, I get it. That is a murderer's row in the middle of the lineup. That is, they're going to mash. They're going to drive in runs. They're going to be exciting. Do they have enough pitching to cash that ticket come September? Yeah, I think that they just might. And if you look at the Blue Jays last year, they, they I guess I don't want to say they disappointed because they had kind of never been there before, but they did underachieve a little bit in terms of uh, – what their Pythagorean says their wins should have been and what their actual wins were uh, 991. However, when you look at the Blue Jays, they had a ton of adversity, about as many as any, as much as any team in Major League Baseball because you had to play your home games in either Dunedin, Florida, right. then you had to move to Buffalo. So it's like you never really had a home. You were just vagabonds. Now you get to play games in Toronto, uh, up there in the six, and you get an actual home field advantage. Mm-hmm. So I think that... That is going to be priced in here to benefit the Blue Jays, and you really see it in terms of the win total. But also, I think the fact that you look, now they have four players in that lineup. You talk about that lineup mashing that are above that war, a wins above replacement. Vlad Jr., who oh, you knew was going to be there, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, all the young kids that have kind of come up through that system. Mm-hmm. And you also add Matt Chapman from the Oakland A's. So Significant. Yeah, that's a pretty potent lineup. And and I like what they've done with their pitching staff. I know they lost Robbie Ray, and he's now in Seattle. Mm-hmm. But you've got Barrio, so you locked up to a long-term contract. Kevin Gaussman, uh, Alec Manoa, you're going to try to see if you have anything left out of Kikuchi. He came over in that in that Robbie Ray deal. Uh, Hinjun Ryu, Ross Stripling. So you've got a little bit of depth, I, th- I think, with this team. So, uh, you know, I think that they're the absolute justifiable favorites. Uh, you know, it was just kind of the restrictions of COVID right. and the pandemic in terms of, you know, not being able to have a home. And that's why I think you see the Blue Jays as the rightful favorite, even at plus 180. If I'm making a personal price, that's probably like a dollar thirty-five or a dollar forty for them to win that division. Wow, that's good value then, right now that you can grab it here, BetMGM at a dollar eighty. I look at the MVP potential winners, and obviously you're going to have Shohei Otani, uh, your reigning uh, MVP here in the American League, at about a plus three eighty. I'm seeing most market wide. Mike Trout's around a four to one guy, but there's Vlad Jr. that you mentioned with Guerrero. At about a plus 450 here. It, to me, and then the odds get longer with the judges and the Wanda Francos of, of the world, et cetera. Is Vlad Guerrero a guy that's a, a, a real playable, viable scenario, even though at that shorter price in the top three in the market? Yeah, it's probably short now, but you do expect that maybe this is going to even be more of a breakout season. He had 48 home runs last year, right. keep in mind, and really was never quite in 
great physical shape and and he's in much better shape right now uh the talent is there i think for them to go deep and maybe make a world series run remember they won back to back in 92 and 93 so it's been a long time up there in toronto but yeah 450 yeah, probably a little bit low and look his own team bo bichette 25 to right. one that's somebody that's a if you want to go a little bit down the board and see if you can find somebody like that that might be a direction i would certainly look all right so when we look at the rest of the al east here and then you look at the yankees as the second favorite here and then the rays and then you get the longer shot with the red sox not too much longer and then of course i don't think the o's this year at 151 are, are going to shock and awe anybody in this division at least we're not expecting that what about the, the, the Red Sox and Rays here? I know we always talk about the Yankees, and certainly now the Jays are in that conversation. But what about, what about the, the Rays? Are they just overlooked because the way they do it, it's just not sexy? Yeah. But it is effective. I think the market, it might be a little bit low on the Rays. And look, I'm always higher on the Rays, and I think the rest of the market. And it's, uh, it's paid off with some division wins here. I think Toronto is the rightful favorite, but... If you look, they're always kind of down on the Rays because the Rays don't have the superstars right. that a Tampa, that a Toronto is going to have, or the Yankees are going to have, or the Red Sox are going to have. But all they do is win games. So I would still lean to their total at ninety and a half. It's probably priced about right, but I'm usually more high on them than the rest of the market. It, anyway, it seems like that's the way. And and traditionally, people just don't look at the Rays as a viable option, the third favorite here to win the the AL East. But I'm with you. I, I always feel like there's a value to be found there. Maybe not so much in the Yankees and or the Red Sox. As we flip the script here and go to the NL East, let's get to the to my division, if you will. Mm -hmm. Now look at those Metropolitans. They are the the small favorite here at plus a dollar forty, but the Braves, the defending reigning World Series champions, nipping at their heels at plus a dollar fifty. The Phillies at four to one. I know there's a lot of people at our network that that do like them. In specifics here, look at that that win total. Only, yeah. I say only in air quotes, at 85 and a half. And then the Marlins feel like they might have some spunk in the Nationals. Maybe they're, they've signaled the rebuilding phase right. in D.C. What do you make of this division? Because it does feel like it potentially could be a four-horse horse race if the Marlins are competitive. Well, look, the Mets obviously spent a lot of money and, and brought a lot of talent in when you bring in uh, Max Scherzer, uh -huh. when you bring in Escobar and Starling Marte and Mark Canna, and then a recent trade for Chris Bassett, you know, Oakland's been in complete sell mode. So they've added a ton of incoming talent. So I understand probably why they're the favorite. But when you look uh, on the Brave side, Freddie Freeman, yeah, he's a loss. But Matt Olson, man, <clears throat> I think is very much capable of replacing that production for the Atlanta Braves. So I don't know really how much they lose necessarily. I mean, you know, Freeman's obviously you never want to lose a left handed bat. No, but. I, you know, bringing Olsen in there, they Atlanta might be the team that's kind of getting forgotten about because I still think that they have that core there. So, look, uh, you know, I would lean maybe their, their wins over. Uh, I think that they're kind of being ignored. But uh, the Phillies, I know, are, are kind of like the buzz team in terms of have they, you know, gotten their bullpen, I guess, uh, uh, under uh, wraps there. And that that's really been the weakness of this team. Well, <clears throat> what I can't believe, Wes, is, and look, as a Metropolitan fan, you can never say anything nice about the Braves. That's one of the rules, by the way. How did, how in the world did they win the World Series last year without Ronald Acuna Jr.? I mean, that that's, that's amazing. Now you right. get him back. I'm with you. Look, Freddie Freeman, Braves legend, you win the World Series. I actually think it's, a, if not an upgrade, at least a wash. Yeah. Making the move now like they did for Olsen to get him out of Oakland. 
I don't know that this team's worse. And they're, again, they're the reigning World Series champions. Yeah, and you, st- and you still have that rotation at the top with Freed and with uh, Ian Anderson. Uh, now uh, Kenley Jansen comes over. Yeah. We'll see if he can close for Atlanta. Uh, Will Smith also to kind of uh, not the not the uh, Will Smith that we saw on Sunday. No. Different, different Will Smith. Uh, <laughs> so they've gotten depth in the bullpen. We'll see if some of these young guys finally, you know, Tuki Toussaint, if he can finally come around and live to his potential. But look. The power's there in that lineup uh, with Acuna back healthy. You get Duvall, who's a you have Duvall, who's a home run hitter. Uh, Danzy Swanson, I think, had some big hits down the stretch for those guys off the Albies, Matt Olson. So I think the talent is absolutely there for the Braves. I understand the Mets made all the big moves, and when you get a guy like Scherzer, that's going to help you out. But can they keep that pitching staff healthy? And that's always been the question in Flushing Queens, that some pitcher always seems to get hurt for them and then torpedoes their season. And normally it's Jacob deGrom. As great as he is, they got to make sure that they can keep him healthy this year to have that rotation at the top of one, two, but you mentioned the Chris Bassett deal for the Metropolitans, too. I like that sneaky good number three starter there in New York. By the way, Acuna Jr., uh, by the, when you look at the MVP awards, uh, Juan Soto right now, the far and away, which is interesting to me that Soto is the favorite in the National League, even though he's going to be on, quote-unquote, the worst team mm-hmm. uh, that they're picking here uh, by division. That's always an interesting correlation because normally you don't get the Andre Dawson's of 1987 right. in Chicago where you're on a dead last team and still win MVP, but that's what they're kind of saying about Juan Soto. And you mentioned Acuna. There he is, 7-1. How about Bryce with Philadelphia? He is the reigning NL MVP, and yet 9-1. to one, well. I know it's hard to go back to back. And they tried to get him some protection, too. Obviously, right. getting Nick Castellanos, getting uh, uh, Kyle Schwarber. Somebody that gives some uh, pop in that lineup can hit some home runs there at Citizens Bank. So they're trying to give Harper protection where it's not like, okay, this is an automatic walk because you've kind of seen that over the last few years where there are times he'll just give him a free pass, not this time. When we come back and throughout the show, we'll break down the rest of Major League Baseball. We're going to talk some NBA. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. The KFC chicken sandwich is served hot and straight from the fryer. That is why it is finger-licking good. Order the KFC chicken sandwich today. I know that looks good to myself and Wes Reynolds. We are here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi on right here on VCD Sports Betting Network. Let's get to the NBA a little bit very quickly, Wes. And I just want to touch on one big game in the card tonight, and that is the Bucks against the Sixers. And you can obviously understand why in the Eastern Conference, these are two teams with the Bucks as the defending world champions here against the Sixers who have visions of grandeur of doing just that. Small number tonight for the Sixers. Mm-hmm. So if I can give you kind of a two-part question here, what do you think of the matchup tonight with Philly as that one-and-a-half-point favorite? And really when you project, because right now the Bucks are kind of co-favorites with the Nets to come out of the East, and the Sixers are nipping on their heels. So is there a bigger context to this one singular game tonight? Well, absolutely, because uh, now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. We only got six to eight games That's left, uh, depending on which team you're looking at until we finish the regular season. Miami currently at the top, but you've got Philadelphia, Milwaukee, both with the same record. Boston with one more win, but also one more loss. So they've only got six games to play. 
They're all tied there in that top four, one game back of Miami, and then there's distance to Chicago and Toronto. So this is absolutely a huge game. They're one and one in terms of the season series. Uh, Giannis is going to play, dealing with some soreness in his knee. But now you finally got Milwaukee kind of healthy right now. If you look at what their starting five was supposed to be, Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Grayson Allen, they've only had what was intended to be their starting five for like Three games this season. We're now on what? Game 75 for mm-hmm. Milwaukee, and they're 3 and 0 straight up in ATS in those games. <laughs> uh, small sample size, but nevertheless, uh, I think that they've got the personnel here because if you look at Philadelphia, they are 7 and 4 over their last 11. However, I think those first couple games where they like looked, oh man, this team looks unstoppable. The market then overvalues them, and now they're 3 7 and 1 ATS in that same 11 game span. Only 0.7 in terms of per 100 possessions. Uh, The net rating really drops. And where I think it really could get exploited is in this matchup because Milwaukee has the personnel. If you look at Philadelphia, when Embiid goes off the floor and Harden's out there without Embiid, and this speaks to, you know, the lack of backup depth down low. Sure. Minus 3.9 net rating are the Philadelphia 76ers in that spot. So, look, uh, if you, you know, you not only have Giannis, you have Lopez down there. Lopez does a pretty good job on Embiid historically. Fourth lowest effective field goal percentage of any player that uh, guards Joel Embiid. So that's over the course of the last four seasons. Then you have Drew Holiday, who obviously helps in defending uh, Harden. Uh, now, Tyrese Maxey, if you're betting props, I mean, with Grayson Allen and Wesley Matthews on him, that's the matchup for Philadelphia that sure. they can maybe exploit if you're like a prop player, maybe go over with Tyrese Maxey. But Giannis has averaged 31 a game against the Sixers in two games this season. Middleton and Holiday just didn't make shots. That's why they didn't win both the uh, meetings now. So, Bucks, I think, uh, you know, starting to get healthy. Sixers not looking necessarily as dominant here. Uh, uh, 10 and 5 since the trade, but only 6, 8, and 1 against the number. And eight and four straight up, four, seven, and one when both Harden and Embiid play. So, yeah, they're winning games, but they're not covering these numbers because I think the market kind of tends to inflate the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is the guy that's probably benefited the most. Like I said, that's the guy you want to look for for props. 52% from the field, 47% from the three. Tobias Harris, who was really struggling before this trade, you know, in the first half of the season. Yeah. 47% from the field, 38% from the three. So in the non-Embiid minutes, if those guys aren't making shots, this Philadelphia team, even with Harden out there, is really screwed just because they don't have the depth down low. So Embiid's going to get his, even though the Bucks really don't foul a lot, fifth best defense in the league in terms of, of preventing foul shots. Uh, Bucks have had success, I think, slowing down James Harden in the matchups in, in recent years. So you know, given Lopez that he can at least kind of keep Embiid from absolutely going nuts in this game, I like the Bucks here in the spot getting the one and a half. Okay, we have breaking news. Now, I want to just put my arms up like this, Wes Reynolds, and say I think that we started something on the green zone, and we did it each and every Sunday. Because every game that we did pretty much went to overtime. And what did I say at the beginning of every overtime game in the NFL? Mm-hmm. they got to switch the rules. They've got to switch the rules in the NFL. Matt Santos, our on-the-spot producer, just notified me that the NFL has, in fact, switched the overtime rule. Now, it's not completely to my liking. They've gone about, from what I can see here, 75% of the way there. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I've always said that I would outline if I was ever voted NFL commissioner, which I will never be, 
is that I would never have a prospect of a tie. I believe you can still have the prospect of a tie. But yeah. one thing has, for regular season only, you can still have ties. But you know what? Each team's going to touch the ball in overtime. Now, I would think that this means you would it would lead itself and lend itself to more ties by each team now being guaranteed a possession. Right. Now, I, I'm assuming that the 10-minute clock is still in play. It, how long can a possession be? Well, it looks like the regular season OT rules are basically going to stay the same right now, if I'm believing these reports, because we're just getting this across the wire right now. You know, it does kind of reek of different rules, it obviously, does. for postseason and regular season. It's like, okay, we've got the shootout in the NHL, but we don't do the shootout in the playoffs. If it goes four overtime, so be it. This is sudden death. Next goal wins, and you get the golden goal, so to speak. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they went halfway, but they didn't necessarily go all the way. No, they did I, I not. Wish that, uh, I, I wish that that they would have. Uh, you know, uh, this is per uh, Tom Pelissero, by the way, uh, who is uh, tweeting this out from the NFL Network. One NFL head coach did offer a prediction about the new modified OT rule for postseason only, which it looks like that's what we are going to have. That's what the competition committee has voted for. Many teams that get the ball first and score a touchdown will go for two rather than allowing the second team to do it and end the game. Right. So, yeah, you're going to see now different strategies, and you, and you have to do this a different way. I would prefer a little bit more consistency from regular season to postseason, but nevertheless, this is better, I think, than what we had. At least in the postseason, we're now going to have that, and, of course, you can't have a tie in the postseason, so we get that. So that's solved. Each team's going to touch the ball. But they did not solve it in the regular season. And I, to me, I'm with you on that. Like, we're switching rules uh, you know, literally in midseason versus postseason, that always seems odd to me. It should be the same rule. We could have consistency. I'm not sure why they're not doing this in the regular season. Don't give me the argument of it, the games are just going to go on too long. You can solve that with whoever, after one possession, each team touches the ball, the next team that scores wins. I mean, you can make up a rule to end the game faster. But they have not done that in the regular season. At least now each team will touch the ball. In the postseason. Okay, so like the Bills and Chiefs game last mm -hmm. year, at least Josh Allen would have touched the ball. Now we're hearing news that Diana Rossini, who I know back from my D.C. days, now she does fine work at ESPN, is reporting that the Chiefs are now looking to trade for a quote-unquote top-flight receiver. If you are Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah. <laughs> what am I? I thought that's what I was. You brought me in from Pittsburgh. Aren't I that person? If I'm Marquez Valdez-Scantling, what am I? Mm -hmm. Am I just another Jag? Am I just a guy? Right? Who am I? Am I a top-flight receiver? Right. So you kind of felt like I thought they had done enough. If you're telling me that getting uh, Scantling and getting Juju Smith-Schuster is not enough to replace Tyreek Hill with the guys you already have there, Miko Hardman, and you have all these picks – does that surprise you to hear the news that the Chiefs still want to go get another guy? It does not, uh, because, look, I don't consider Juju Smith-Schuster a top-flight receiver. He had a chance to prove that in Pittsburgh. He did. And he was not able to do that. So, uh, look, he's a nice ad. He might go over, like, his props or his yard props or, or reception props or whatever. But I don't believe he is a top-flight receiver. Valdez Scantling, you know, you kind of got a couple of the same guys. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me that they're trying to 
find that, but what is the market going to be for that and who's going to be willing to part ways? Because obviously in free agency, top flight receivers are not out there right no. now. Those guys have all been spoken for and have all moved on to new destinations or stayed right where they were. So it doesn't really surprise me to hear that. Uh, when you look at the Chiefs right now, plus $1.35 to win the West, okay? So plus money to get Kansas City. Are we now looking at the rest of the roster moves that the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders did? And the Raiders still feel like value at 6-1, to one, even though it has been shorted a little bit with the overhaul they've had. Are the Chiefs still, to you, you got to knock them off? Or are the other teams ready to knock them off? I mean, they're still the rightful favorite because they've been the most known commodity right. in the AFC West. But, yeah, I think that they can be knocked off. I think any one of those four teams can win that division. I really... I think the team that maybe did the most to improve from where they were last year were the Los Angeles Chargers. I just think, you know, getting back to go along My with goodness. Bosa, you have to have pass rushers in this league. And, and I think, you know, what the Chargers did, I think they've shown that they're going to score points. Justin Herbert is going to get better. This is now going to be his third year as a starter. They upgraded the offensive line last year. They've upgraded the front uh, the front seven. And then also you got to have depth in the secondary to compete in this division. No question about it. So that's just going to get wild. Let's see what the Chiefs mean when they need a top flight receiver after just letting Tyreek Hill and trading him away to Miami. When we come back, Will Hill, the king of New York, is going to join us to talk all things right here on the Lombardi Line on Beast and the Sports Betting Network. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer in the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager in any game. If either team hits a three-pointer, you're going to win 200 bucks in free bets. Just use the bonus code VEASAN200 when you make your very first wager. Plus, you're going to earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed for online bonuses or converted into comps at over 20 MGM resorts nationwide. BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA, so download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code VEASAN200 to win 200 bucks in free bets if a three-pointer is made in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. This is the Lombardi Line right here on VEASAN each and every Tuesday. We have the King of New York. Will Hill, join us, of course, our VEASAN contributor. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at NotTheWillHill. Looking so fresh and so clean, clean today, my friend. Uh, let's get to some plays. Now, we already, Wes and I, kind of talked about that Bucks and Nets game tonight. Excuse me, uh, yeah, the uh, Bucks and Sixers game, rather. And I wonder where you stand on this, because when I look at it, I wonder if the implications are more so than just the game today with Philadelphia, a small favorite here, about a point and a half over the defending reigning world champions. Yeah, you look at the East, it's a fascinating situation, not just at the top four games separated by, you know, one game in the loss. I think it's the three Milwaukee, Philly, Miami, all with 28 losses, Boston with 29. And then at the bottom, the plane, who's going to land where it's really hard at this point to manipulate, you know, who you're going to play. I, I guess if you get to the three or the four, you can be safely away from Brooklyn, but you're going to be punting potentially on home court in future rounds. There's a lot of moving parts. It's a little too early to make your move and try to pick your opponent. Uh, that being said, I, I do like Milwaukee here. I think, you know, the honeymoon period for this Harden and Embiid matchup is already starting Ooh. to come to an end. Harden looks slow. They don't have a lot of shooting. The spacing isn't great. The bench unit isn't great. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Milwaukee has played pretty well here the last month or so, you know, since the all-star break coming off a bad loss on Saturday, they got buried in Memphis with no Giannis. Uh, I think Milwaukee will be focused tonight. I like Milwaukee in this spot. And I think, uh, you know, of all these teams, Duck and Brooklyn, I think Milwaukee's the one that's not going to be afraid. You know what? They won a championship last year. They were the one seed the previous two years. Uh, I think from a matchup standpoint, you know, their guards are big between Middleton, Holiday. I think, you know, the Nets are a little small. I think they'll look at Brooklyn and say, you know what? We're not afraid of you. We're not afraid of anybody. We're the champs. So Milwaukee, I think, is the one team that's not going to duck anyone. And, uh, well, just kind of expand upon that, and I agree if you're a Sethman, I like the Bucks tonight, too, in that short number against the Sixers. But do you like the Bucks going forward, at least, you know, into the playoffs? Because now this team is, like, finally starting to get healthy. You actually have the starting lineup that they thought that they were going to have all season, which they haven't had them all play at the same time, but three games, that being Giannis, Holiday, Middleton, Lopez, and Grayson Allen. So is this the team right now that you like in the East? Uh, it is. It is. I just trust them a little more. I, like I said, the nets are a little small and they're going to have to, you know, take this, uh, you know, the long route here in terms of a playing, you know, not having home court, the Sixers have mentioned their issues with spacing, shooting, you know, just a kind of a slow team who knows about Harden in the playoffs, who knows, who knows about doc in the playoffs, um, you know, Boston, the loss of Williams is huge. And I still don't know, you know, do they have a great second score as good as Tatum is in the playoffs? Do they have enough shooting uh, enough shot creation? Uh, Miami, I think is falling off. I think Milwaukee, is still the most you know stable team. They've got a great player in Giannis. They've got the other two in Middleton and Holiday. 
Uh, I think we saw some championship hangover. I think we saw, you know, some fatigue with the fact that remember Middleton and Booker won a championship and got on a plane to Tokyo to go play in the Olympics. <laughs> We're playing basically through August, you know, so uh, I, I think they've kind of found themselves here. I think the bucks are probably, you know, if you're looking at value, I think there's some plus seven hundreds out there to win it all. That's probably for, you know, bang for your buck, the best bet, I think. You know, Will, this time of year now, obviously, as we get into the postseason, the NBA, and we're going to get ready to get to the, to Augusta National next week. We'll be talking a lot about that. And, of course, that means baseball season's right around the corner as well. You're right there in New York. You know I'm a Metropolitan fan. I look at the Mets' number this year in the NL East. They're the favorites to win the division. 91.5 is their, their win total here. What do you make of the Metropolitans? Because I, I thought Wes brought up a good point earlier in the program, which is – it always feels like when everything's right on paper, something goes wrong, at least normally an injury uh, to a key pitcher or two. How do you handicap the Metropolitans this year? Yeah, I like them more so as the over for 91 and a half. I do think they're a mid-90s team. Now, again, DeGrom and Scherzer, you know, you got to worry about the health. Scherzer's had issues. He's older. DeGrom, you know, missed most of last year. when He was great when he pitched. But I, I do think, you know, those three, I'll include Bassett because Bassett was really good last year. Uh, some of the additions between Marte and Escobar and Conha really stabilized that team in terms of, you know, there's some versatility. Uh, you know, those guys are durable. And look, I think Showalter, you know, you know, this Dave in West, the Mets have been a circus the past couple yeah. of years between DUIs and, you know, Brody was a disaster. You know, the, uh, the managers between Beltran last in a couple of weeks, <laughs> I think Buck comes in and brings some, you know, some stability. Uh, you know, he knows how to deal with younger players, knows how to deal with veterans. He's going to bring some professionalism to this team. And again, they've got good pitching. You know, you figure Lindor second year in New York, a little more comfortable plays a little better. Uh, Alonzo still Alonzo to me, this is a mid nineties team uh, in terms of wins. Now, again, Atlanta's really good. This could be a hell of a pennant race where somebody has 96, somebody has 95. I don't necessarily, you know, think they're a lock to win the division, but to me, this Mets team is going to be really, really good. So, well, we'll move over to the AL East and you can kind of get a little bit of a macro view if you want uh, in terms of this, but I think uh, one uh, season win total you've already played. Uh, you went ahead and picked on the bones here at the bottom of the barrel in the East, and that is the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> I'm seeing I think if that number is accurate from BetMGM, 62 and a half, and you like this team under the total. Yeah, I mean, I can give you the analysis, or we can use it from last year. We can use it from next year. I'm just always playing the under the Orioles. It's a brutal division. I mean, look, you got 72 games against the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Rays, and the Red Sox. Blue Jays might be the best team in the American League. I know they're kind of the it team, that which scares you a little, but that team is loaded. The Yankees are still the Yankees. Uh, the Rays won 100 games last year, and the Red Sox were in the ALCS. Um, it, that's just, it's going to be really hard. They don't have the pitching now. I think better days are ahead for them, maybe two. You know, a, a year a year away from being a year away, maybe for Baltimore, they do have some nice prospects. You know, the catcher is supposed to be a really good player, and you know, Mount Castle, uh, you know, the center fielder. They, they've got some position players. I think they've got some pitching coming. But to me, this is the wrong team to the, the wrong division to be young in. To me, this is not a, a situation where look, they won 51 games last year. You're going to really improve by 12 games, 12 wins. That I don't see. That I think is a little optimistic. I think this is you know maybe mid 50 something like that. To me, Baltimore uh, should stay well under the the total here is 62 and a half. You know, Will, very quickly, you know, I, I call you the king of New York because you do a great job with the New York City uh, cast that we have here on Vston. I, I have to ask you about the Yanks with the same win total as the Metropolitans across town there at 91 and a half. I know you were kind of critical throughout the, 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 the winter where they didn't make a, a lot of moves, but what do you make of that total there? Do you think this is a, like the Mets, a team that probably should win in the mid-90s? 
Yeah, I would lean over. I've been killing them just because I look, I, I grew up, you know, watching this team with George Steinbrenner, where they were in on every player. They were the Dodgers are now where it's, you know, who cares? We're going to get Freddie Freeman. We're going to get Bauer. We're going to get Scherzer. We're going to get Mookie Betts. The, the, this Yankee group of ownership is more worried about saving money, staying under the luxury tax, Ooh. winning just enough games to keep people coming back. They don't really care about championships. That being said, uh, judge Stanton Cole, you know, Gallo hit 35 homers against bad pitching. You know, Rizzo will do a good job. I think labor will bounce back. I think LeMay will bounce back. They're still a pretty good regular season team. I would look for like 93, 94 wins. I don't know that they have, you know, the, a, a championship caliber team. Look, you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Uh, and they should be a playoff team. I would go slightly over here. Uh, not like a strong bet, but I, I do lean towards the over just because of the top end talent still. Well, let's go down to Texas, San Antonio, kind of the calm before the storm. We get the Masters next week, but we do have one more event, the Valero Texas Open down at TPC San Antonio. And you pointed out a guy down the board, a little bit of a downfield, a lot of guys taking this week off in preparation. And uh, you're going to the man from Chile and not Joaquin Neiman, the guy that was really the flavor <laughs> of the month in Chile, Mito Pereira. Yeah, I'm just not going to miss out when uh, when this guy eventually wins because I've been on him so much. And I think this kind of matches up well for him. It's a course where you don't need to be a big hitter. Uh, you know, Pereira, his putter has been pretty good lately. Uh, he can get, gain some strokes with approach, putting. Again, if you're not a big hitter at this course, it's okay. So uh, Pereira, 50 to 1, I'm going to take a shot. One of these days he's going to win, and I'm not going to be left out. So Mito Pereira, 50 to 1, please. And by the way, <laughs> this is the last chance to get into Augusta National. The world ranking uh, cutoff has been done as of the match play last week. So guy that wins, if he's not in Augusta, this is your chance to get that spot. 30 seconds to go, Will. Like West. Who do you like? Sorry to jump in, but who do you like West? Uh, well, a couple guys I played. I played Woodland and Chris Kirk. That's kind of trendy, but uh, got a guy went down the board. I'll give you a real bomb. Austin Smotherman, 250 Ooh. to one, Ooh. who was fourth on this course on the Corn Ferry Tour two years ago. I can honestly say I'd never wow. heard that name until just now. Austin Smotherman. Uh, it sounds like a made-up name. Uh, very quickly, Will, Tiger Woods, this time next week, are we talking about him in the field at Augusta? You guys would know better than me. I would I would lean no, though. Oh, you're killing me. I need him to play next week. He's at least going to be at Hideki's uh He'll be there for the dinner. dinner so this though. time next week, he will be still on our brain talking about Augusta National. Come on back. Much more to get to. Thanks to Will Hill, as always, right here. Follow him at Not The Will Hill. Back with more baseball on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.